Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Hello and welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 138. Today, our guest is Mr. Mike McKnight. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. If you're so inclined, Trail Manners would really appreciate any contributions via our Patreon account at patreon.com backslash trailmanners. This episode of the Trail Manners podcast is sponsored by Hemp Daddy's Therapeutics. Hemp Daddy's is a full-spectrum CBD oil made from USDA organic hemp grown on a family farm in Colorado. Hemp Daddy's is great for reducing inflammation, pain relief, better sleep, and a faster recovery. Go to hempdaddies.com to support the show and learn more. And don't forget to use code TRAILCBD for 10% off and free shipping. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to the Trail Manners Podcast. This is episode number 138. Today, we have got a special guest for you. We've tried to get him on the show earlier, and it just hasn't worked out, but we are happy and psyched to have fresh off his Antelope Island 100 win just a few weeks back, uh, Mike McKnight. So, Mike, thanks for uh, taking the time to join me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, temporary uh, location here, right? We're in Logan-ish. Right, I guess yeah. it's technically Logan here. No, this is Logan. Logan, okay. Yep. We are in Logan, Utah, yep. and uh, used to be the Ultra Mothership, right, right here, and it's uh, slowly phasing to Denver. Yeah, yeah. There's a few in Denver already, and the rest of us will be there by July. Nice. So, um, we'll we'll just get, so you work for Ultra, so we'll start there. I think a lot of people might know you from that realm, mm-hmm. um, and you do events, sponsorships, yep. things yep. like that. And the event and athlete manager. So okay. over all of our sponsored events and our elite athletes. Nice. So that seems like it'd be a pretty fun job for the most part, right? Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of planning that goes into it and coordination, but I mean, for a runner, you can't ask for a better job. <laughs> yeah, there could be some worse jobs, right? <laughs> yeah. Out there. Um, but yeah, so we've tried to get you on the show. I mean, kind of what, uh, I mean, you've done a lot of the, the 200 stuff, right? I mean, that's still... Still fairly new, I guess, um, but you've you've done a lot of that. But let's just let's go back in time. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Yeah, so I am 29 years old. I've lived here in the Logan area my whole life. Grew up on a dairy farm that's kind of on the outskirts of Logan, um, last town before you get to Idaho. And then I graduated from Utah State in 2016, which is when I started working at Ultra as well. Um, started in customer service and then got bumped up to this position and have been doing this for about two and a half years now and have an awesome wife and an awesome son and just couldn't be happier with where we're at in life right now. That's awesome. And then yeah. getting ready to move to Denver. 
Yeah, I, I love the I love Ultra and everything. Um, I also love Logan, so it's pretty bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've le- legit lived here my whole life, so kind of mixed emotions. But you know, I'm pretty passionate about Ultra and what I do for the brand. So it it was a hard decision, but it ended up being the right decision. Nice, that's yeah. good. So you say you started um, with Ultra in 2016. Have you always had a runner's background? Did you run? Like in high school, college, any of that stuff? Um, in high school, I, I ran track because they made us do track for football. Okay. <laughs> so I, I had no interest in running at all in high school. Um, and then when I got into college, I realized how expensive college was. <laughs> <laughs> so I started devising, like scheming ways that I could get into or get cheaper tuition cheaper tu- yeah um and one of those things was to get on one of the sports teams where <laughs> <laughs> they kind of give you money right yeah <laughs> so i i went out and just busted a mile one day and it actually surprised me for how quick i was able to do it without training to do it and so i started to train to run track for utah state and then um broke my back which oh. i'm Sure, we might talk about sometime. It's coming up. It's coming up. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I broke my back, and um, that kind of strangely enough changed my running style. Um, it actually fast-tracked me into ultra running, and I decided that I would rather spend money on college and end up doing a, a hobby and a sport that I like, whereas track, I didn't really care for the short sprint. That was like going to be a job, essentially, right? right. Working for money. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> it's fun. right. so do, you, do you have a story with how you broke your back? You, I mean, was it not, did it happen on a dairy farm? No? <laughs> cow kicked my yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Something, I don't know. <laughs> Stepped on, tip, cow tipping went wrong. I don't know. No, it was a cooler story than that, thankfully. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, this is that Beaver Mountain. It's a local okay. ski resort that we have just up Logan Canyon. Okay. Um, it's actually part of the Bear 100 course, the... 75-mile mark of the Bear 100 is the ski lodge of Beaver Mountain. Um, and so I was up there skiing and um, met a girl up there that I wanted to show off to. Uh, that's how stories start. I know. <laughs> Her name was Candy, too, <laughs> which is even better. <laughs> um, and so I went and hit a jump that I've hit numerous times, but this time I decided to hit it without carving. Um, so I just hit it dead on and completely overshot the landing and... <sighs> As I was hitting the jump, I realized that I was going way too fast, so I panicked and started to lean back. So I launched off at the jump, leaning back. It was an icy day, and I landed flat on my back and got an ambulance ride down to Logan Hospital and had a shattered vertebrae, um, which they said the way I landed, it burst um, outward, the vertebrae. So I'm not much, I don't know a lot of medical terminology or anything, but I just know if I landed a different way and it burst inward, it would have went into my spinal column and paralyzed me. So, wow. so it's definitely a, a lucky outcome. Oh, well, so did Candy go to the hospital to see you? <laughs> no, never heard from her. Come again. on, <laughs> yeah, Candy, you let us. Down. Yeah, now she probably she, thought I was pathetic. Or <laughs> now she's a stripper in North Salt Lake, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, so broken back, man. That's that's. That's life-changing. Whether you're paralyzed, obviously, is one thing. But still, um, what was that like? Because you're an active guy. Right. right? Yeah. Football, running, skiing. What was that like? It was rough. Uh, Well, you know, in the moment it was rough, but the recovery time was pretty amazing for what they projected it would be. 
but when it happened, um, the doctor advised I drop out of school. Um, I was in my second semester of college, and it was February, so luckily enough, I talked to all my teachers, and they were able to incomplete my classes that semester and just said that they were, they would let me start up again um, whenever I'm feeling ready for it. Yeah. So deferred all my classes. Um, I started a job like two days before that happened, which Ouch. I ended up losing when they found out I would... You weren't going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I lost my job. I had to drop out of college for the semester, um, had to move home with my parents. And um, so it was kind of a, I was pretty upset for a lot of the time there. Um, wasn't really focusing on the fact that I should be considering myself lucky for not being paralyzed. And how old, how old were you at that time? Uh, was, uh, 2012. So I was, I just turned 22. Wow. So young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I haven't discovered ultra running at this point, but I was starting to enjoy running. Um, and I wanted to get on the track team at that point, too. So the first thing I asked my doctor was when I'd be able to start running again. And he said, so this was February, and he said, um, if you recover fast, you should be able to start swimming in August, um, like do some low-impact exercising. And then if everything goes well, um, and again, this is fast, you should be able to start running it in about a year from now. Wow. So that was pretty hard to hear. A year sounds like a long time. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, so I moved home with my parents and, you know, they, it's an older style ranch home out on the farm. So there's one bathroom in the house and their bedroom's right by it. So they moved out of their bedroom and gave me their bedroom and, I mean, took care of me and... (laughs) Um, obviously super grateful for that at the time that was a little humiliating that I was a 22 year old college student that had to get taken care of by my parents. <laughs> Kicked them out of the room. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. And so what was your recovery like? I mean, did it take you a while to, you know, we're having, we're going to have some shows coming up talk about this is way injury based, but mentally was that was it harder for you to recover mentally or were you kind of after a while like nope i'm focused now let's get after this type thing um it was more so the last um of that but the first few days to a week i was in some pretty dark places and um part of my recovery was to walk a mile a day um that's what the doctor advised and um we have a picture of it now and i laugh about it right now but um, I had to borrow my grandma's walker. <laughs> Did it have so, tennis balls on it? No, I had oh. wheels. So oh. it, was, it was a oh. little fancier. Oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> yeah. an upgrade. And I had the, the seat so I could sit on it oh, when I got too tired. <laughs> that's kind of take the grocery store. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was part of my recovery. Um, and out in, so the Cornish is where my parents are at and where I grew up. And it's like 200 people. Two houses next to each other are very uncommon, so there's just a lot of open spaces. So there's just this half, or it was was a mile long. I'd walk a half mile of it and turn around and walk back, but just go out and walk a mile a day, and it took over an hour just to walk that just because of how much it hurt my back and how slow my legs were. How Um, how quickly were you on your feet to walk? Was it like how long did it take from the injury to when you started walking? So I broke my back, um, had surgery the next day, um, and they inserted two rods and nine screws, which I still have to this day. Everything's still there? Everything's still there, yeah. Um, and then they fused part of my hip bone out to my spine, too. Um, so 
after the surgery, it took a day or two before, like, they had to put, like, a kind of, it makes me think of those oxen, um, the thing the oxen wear over their head. Oh, like, yeah. Like a big belt kind of a thing. Like, they put a big belt on me and had to, like, help lift me up out of bed and link arms with me and help me walk around the hospital. So the first couple of days after the surgery, it was really hard to walk. Yeah. Um, by the time I got home, I mean, I was doing it, like, through three days after surgery wow, incredible. Um, but it, it, it took a lot of work to like my parents had to help me out of bed and had to help me down the stairs and once I got outside I had the walker to help me the rest of the way so those first few days were really difficult for the walking and aside from that mile walk each day I caught up on all eight Harry Potter movies <laughs> and <laughs> Lord of the Rings all that good stuff <laughs> um didn't really do anything besides that. And then, and so a lot of these are just guesses right now. There, yeah. there are two specific dates that I remember for sure um, in terms of the time frame. But shortly after that, I started to want to – so this, this is – in retrospect, this is how I've realized that I've always had the mind of an ultra runner. Um, as I started pretty quickly after that trying to figure out my limits and pushing those limits – um, so I started, you know, instead of half a mile or sorry, instead of a mile a day, I started doing two miles a day and then I started trying to like increase my time and, you know, instead of a mile or instead of an hour for a mile, dropping that to 45 minutes to 30 minutes and moving up to the two miles, going for two walks a day. Um, I just started feeling really good. I got rid of the walker, started using a cane. Um, and I told my parents I felt comfortable moving back to campus. Um, wow which was hard for them, but they trusted me. So I was living back in campus less than two weeks later after Holy I broke my cow. back. That's yeah. insane. And I remember, you know, because this was my life. Like, I didn't have school anymore. I didn't have a job anymore. So, you know, I'd stay up late watching TV and then sleep in, wake up, and started walking four to six miles a day. I had a, a family friend that I would walk to their house and visit them and walk home, and that ended up being six to seven miles and then three weeks after the surgery, so a few days after that, I started to um, get curious about running. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and then I also wore one of those, like the the hard body braces mm-hmm. for my back. Um, my friends called it my Ninja Turtle shell. Nice, <laughs> yeah, <like> superhero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd wear that every day, and even for this test trial with my run, um, three weeks after I wore that back brace um, but I went outside and jogged for half a mile and um, I wouldn't call it excruciating pain <laughs> it was super uncomfortable and I felt like the best way to describe it is I could just feel how heavy my back was from my rods yeah and I don't even know if that medically makes sense but I could just feel that my yeah. back was different um, and so you know going back to the walking um, increasing the walking times and distances each day you know, I, I jogged that half mile, and then the next day I jogged a mile. And three weeks after that, so six weeks post-surgery, um, signed up and ran a local 10K. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. You were doing all this. What were people saying? Doctors, parents, were they aware of what you were doing? Doctors were not. They were not. And they're still not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should tell them. I know. You could have been like the breakthrough guy. I don't remember right? his name. <laughs> My parents knew, and they were not happy at all. Yeah. Um, and 
makes total sense. I, I probably wouldn't be happy either if yeah. my son did that. Now that you're wiser. Right. Older and wiser. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, so they, they didn't know about it. The doctors didn't. Um, and a lot of people on campus didn't know about it because I tried to wear baggy clothes and wore it over my brace so no one could tell something was wrong. It's an MC <laughs> Hammer pants. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, big old parka. <laughs> so did you ever go back? Did you go back to the doctor, though, for checkups during that time yeah. frame? Yeah, and he was just, he was amazed at how fast I was recovering. I you never, weren't, I you never told him. him. You didn't let him look at your Strava? No, <laughs> no I didn't have Strava <laughs> yeah, at that point. Say, I don't think there was. But, yeah. So he had no clue. No clue. Wow. But it is fun because I... And this is kind of funny, too, in itself, but I got an invite to, like, a dinner a few months ago um, that a chiropractor sent out. Um, and I guess this guy went into records at the hospital or something that would have been legal. I don't know if that's legal or not, but he somehow got my information and knew that I've had back issues. So I got invited to this dinner, and it was a free dinner, so me and my wife went. Heck yeah, yeah man. <laughs> it was it's a date night. too. Yeah, it was a good dinner. <laughs> um and we get there, and it's me and her with a room full of 60, 70-year-olds. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. But I told him about my story and um, showed him pictures of my x-rays and um, how much I ran, and he was blown away. And he's, he, he's like, you know, come, and I'll do a free consultation because I'm pretty sure that you're messing your back up. So he took x-rays and everything and felt around on my back, and he's like... Honestly, I want to get some money out of you, but your back's perfect. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. So I, I don't know if that's contributed to the running or, you know, having a younger body still, but my, like, it, it's nice to be able to tell people, especially my parents, that the running is not ruining my back. So so let me get this straight. If I'm if my back hurts right now, like lower back pain, I should just go sign go up for some 200-mile races? Yeah. Because that's what you've done. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah a I'm couple. Gonna, I'll deal with the hurt back for a while longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so through that whole phase, when did you, like, you did the 10K. That was 2012-ish. When did you start getting into trail slash your first ultra? So um, it was later that, so, you know, I was running 8 to 10 miles a day at that point just because I had nothing else to do. Um, <clears throat> and it was all on the road because that's all I knew about. I knew there was hiking trails, but I, there were hiking trails. I didn't realize that people actually ran yeah. hiking trails. Yeah. <laughs> and so I finally got a job at a company um, where I started working. I knew a guy there who knew I liked to run. Um, and he introduced me to a local trail runner who you might have met. His name's Cody Draper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. super good runner. Yep, good guy. Yeah. So we were talking, and he was telling me about his running, and um, I asked him if he was doing the local 10K that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, yeah, he wasn't cocky at all. Cody's not cocky. Oh, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he kind of looked at me, and he goes, uh, I typically don't do races less than a marathon. <laughs> And that blew me away because I didn't know that it existed, <laughs> that anything above a marathon existed. And at the time, he was training for the um, the Scout Mountain uh-huh. Ultra. Yep. At the Pocatello. time, I think it was called the Pocatello 50. Yep. It was when they had a 50-mile ultra. So he was training for that, and that blew me away. And then he told me later that year he was doing the Bear 100, which blew me away. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I know... Bear Lake, I know Logan, and it just blows my mind. There's <laughs> people that run through, yeah, that. yeah, through the mountains to Bear Lake. Um, so he months would invite me to go running with him, but he was, he intimidated me. So I 
turned it down all the time and showed him my typical runs. And I just remember he would always make fun of me and go like, you know, there's like a trail right next to where you're running, right? <laughs> I would run up Logan Canyon on oh, the road. Yeah. He's like, there's a trail right next to you. It's a lot better. <laughs> there's not cars right there. Right. <laughs> so I finally joined him for a run and loved the trail running aspect. Um, I paced him for the Bear 100, and um, he's, he still gives me craft to this day, but it was like mile 45. It was muddy. His side was hurting, and he was just super miserable. And I was just like... I'm going to do this race next year. <laughs> and just ever since then, I've been hooked. He probably didn't like hearing that, right? Right. He's in a bad place. He's like, like, this looks fun. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so that, what year was that, do you think? Uh, So I paced him in 2012. Oh, same year you same broke year. your back. So, yeah, I did my first ultra, um, and it was Jim Skaggs' event, the Logan Peak Race, the oh, next yeah. year in 2013. So June, okay. Um, and then did El Vaquero Loco a couple weeks at, or a couple months after that, and then I ended up doing the Bear 100 in 2014. Wow! So you jumped right into it. Yeah, I mean, you right were in. like hooked, basically, yeah. is what we like to say. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you got a taste of it, and you were it was all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me jump into this then, because we've uh, we've had guests on the show, uh, Ben Light, uh, Phil Lowry's, Harrison Fluman. Um, others that have done 200 milers and they're still in my head. Just, I can't wrap my head around them. And I've been in the trail thing for a while, but the 200 mile just still gives cringes. I just (laughs) kind of dry, you know, a little throw up in my throat. But you you hold the overall combined best time for the triple crown, right? Mm -hmm. You set that in 2017. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to give some numbers out and then we'll jump into it because it's, it still astonishes me because they're big, their numbers are large. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first one was Bigfoot. You did that in 69 hours, 18 minutes, 20 seconds. Then you did Tahoe, 67 hours, 19 minutes, 20 seconds. And then Moab, and that's what, 238, 240-ish yep. miles. I don't know why they call that a 200. It's like, give me every penny of that. I think she finally changed it. I hope so, because yeah. it's like, that's not a 200. Uh, 68 hours, 26 minutes, 38 seconds. So the combined overall best time that anybody can go out there and, and try for, 205 hours <laughs> and four minutes and 18 Still seconds. Over a week. Yeah, exactly. Now, that those are 205 hours. I haven't ran that much for the year, right? <laughs> so, um, jumping in, how did you, what made you decide to jump into a 200 mile race? First of all, was that, was 2017, what was the first 200? Was it 2017 or did you one before that? Um, Bigfoot 2017 was my first, 200. first 200. Yeah. Okay. And you just said, you know what? I've never done a 200, so I'm going to do all three of them. <laughs> right. Cause they're, I mean, they space them out far enough, right? Month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what went into that jump from where you were before that to saying, Hey, I'm going to go do all these. So, um, so originally it wasn't going to be all three. Um, I, at this point, I did. I've done. I did three or four one hundreds, and um, and now I think it's stupid that I thought this, but I'm like, all right, I've done a few hundreds. What's next? <laughs> and so I, I did some research and found the 200 mile distance and um, signed up for Bigfoot. And then I did some research and um, <clears throat> at that time there was just the double crown, so there was no Moab. Okay. Um, and DJ, mm-hmm. um, he had the combined overall time for the double crown. 
And when I saw that, him and I have ran together, we've raced together, and him and I are very similar runners. And so when I saw he had that record, I started to get curious if I could take it from him. <laughs> and so I, I, I reached out to him, and him and I talked a lot about what he had to do to prepare for a 200. And I had my heart set on doing Bigfoot in Tahoe. And then Candace announced Moab, and my desire dropped pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I called it good. I was just going to do Bigfoot. Um, ended up doing Bigfoot. Um, and then after Bigfoot, I changed my mind. <laughs> so 69 hours, your first Bigfoot. Where was that in placement of just that race? Like first, second, third, fourth, fifth? Oh, that was um, – so Ben and I came in on the track together holding hands, gotcha. doing that fun ben thing. Light. We had ben Light, yeah. Yep. Um, and he – so we came in – this. Same time, and I believe he got sixth, then I got seventh. Okay. So. So after a seventh place, sixty-nine hour finish, two hundred miles of nothing but happiness, you thought, <laughs> "Let's do this again, right?" Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. So in Bigfoot, I had a lot of stomach issues for roughly the first hundred miles. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I I was crying. <laughs> I was doing a lot of things that I never. Um, wanted anybody to see me too. <laughs> and uh, so. And this is a guy that is used to wearing a turtle shell with a walker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. I was miserable. Um, and backtracking a little bit earlier that year, and so part of my role with Ultra is I'm the athlete manager. And earlier that year, we drove the athletes to Zion to have a athlete summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that drive, Jeff Browning was in the front seat with me, and it was my first time really meeting him. And I don't know if you've had the chance to interview him. No, he's been on two or three times. Okay. Um, Anybody that knows Jeff knows keto. Yep. (laughs) And so he started preaching keto to me on that drive, and it was a good five-hour drive, and um, by the end of it, I was converted. <laughs> so on the way down, you were eating Pringles, gummy worms. I had a monster. A monster energy drink. On the way back, you had carrots, a whole stick of butter. Yep. <laughs> pack of bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so earlier that year, I started doing um, keto. Okay. Um, low carb, high fat, and did Bigfoot. After Bigfoot, I realized my mistake because Jeff and I met up and we talked, and he told me what I could have done better. Um, but for the first hundred miles, my salt intake was off. Um, I didn't realize that, um, you lose more salt when you're doing that kind of eating style. Um, and so I wasn't taking in enough salt, messed up my gut. And so after we chatted and he pointed that out to me, I started wondering what I could do at a 200 if I had my (laughs) nutrition dialed down. Yeah. (laughs) So and this, this could be a whole other story in itself, but I remember during Bigfoot, I convinced my pacers, I convinced my wife that um, I was done running. <laughs> Not for life, but I was going to take some time off yeah. after Bigfoot because of how miserable I was. Um, I've told ultra runners, I've been in the same boat before. You always get to that, well, not always, but a lot of times you get to the point where you're done running. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I've been there many times. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So people learn not to believe you when you say <laughs> that, but I convinced my wife and everybody that I was done, I was done for a little bit. Um, and this was a week later that I was eating breakfast with Jeff and <clears throat> drove home, walked into the door, and I was like, Sarah... <laughs> What do you think of me doing the Tahoe 200 and probably the Moab 200? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, because at that point, if I was going to do Tahoe, I, I wasn't going to do two of them and not do all well, three. Well, yeah, of them. I mean that's just logical, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, so she she chuckled and she wasn't angry, thankfully, <laughs> but she was just like, I can't believe I trusted that you were done for a year and hasn't even been a week and you're ready to do the next one. <laughs> so I that, that that's what ended up happening for me um, and why I signed up for all three of them. All right. So you can blame some of that on Jeff and yes, Keto. Yes. And, all, and working for Ultra. <laughs> yes. It's a vicious, vicious circle. Um, so then you went down, you did Tahoe, and I know the courses are different. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the last thing. I mean, especially at 200, it's like, oh, you PR'd by two hours, you know, but it's different course. But how did you feel in that one? Um, Stomach felt great, yeah. but had other issues. <laughs> like your legs were tired from 200 a month before maybe? Or? Yeah. Yeah, that was one. <laughs> Not as tired as I thought they were, which was a plus. Um, but no, about mile 67, um, I started having extreme IT band issues. Ugh. Yeah, it was miserable. And so from mile 67 to 120, I walked very slowly <laughs> every single mile, um, limp walking, just in complete pain. And aside from my back, um, it was definitely, is in the top five incidences of where I felt, felt the most pain in my life. <laughs> this one candy broke your heart. Your back. Out, yeah. So those are two. Yeah, the back took a few of those <laughs> spots. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I got to mile 120, and I actually, so I spent there, I spent four hours there. Um, the first hour and a half to two hours was me trying to figure out, I guess the first hour was me trying to figure out if I want to drop or not. Yeah. Um, ben Light was there at the same time, I think. Um, his wife was definitely there. I can't remember if Ben was there or not, but... Either Ben and his wife, or his wife convinced me to let her work on me, because oh, she, yeah. she she does work yeah. uh, massage therapy, and so she um, she scraped me, um, and that was the first, and I guess that was probably the second most. Yeah, I was gonna pain say I that thing <laughs> Yeah, that was so she scraped me for a good forty five minutes. Oh my um, gosh, it was terrible, and that's where most of my crying took place. Yeah, I was gonna say, you just were like, oh, I'm ready to go. I just want to get out. Yeah. Of here. <laughs> so after she scraped me, I took a nap. Got up, thought about it some more. A good four hours have gone by, and I actually officially dropped. Um, I gave them my bib, um, went and sat in the car, and you know, at this point we had a newborn baby. Um, oh, and my wife, and she's she's a saint for doing this, but she crewed me for all three with a newborn baby, wow. um, which is so incredible. <laughs> but she was changing his diaper and getting stuff ready for us to go home while I was just sitting in the car. And thankfully, at this point, my phone had service, so I turned my phone out of airplane mode and just saw my phone blowing up with texts and posts of support from friends and family. Man. And so all that convinced me to try one more aid station, and thankfully, Candace was a little more lenient on, you let know, if you... In. Yeah. <laughs> so she let me back in, and um, miraculously... Between the next two aid station or the next aid station, between those two aid stations, my knee, my IT band started to feel a little better. I was able to run and um, got to that next aid station and felt great and started pushing the pace. And I got to about mile one, so that so that was 120, and I got to about mile 175, feeling really good. And then the IT band flared up, but at that point, I, I slogged for 60 miles on day one. I, I, I knew I could slog for another 25 miles. Just a marathon. Yeah, just a <laughs> marathon. <laughs> and the the other cool thing about that, which is why I feel my wife is a saint, is the final aid station. Just to, you know, because I was still pretty down 
with how slow I was going, with how much pain I was in. Even though I was about to finish, I wasn't happy, and my wife could see that. So um, the final aid station, which I can't remember right, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 to 13 miles between the final aid station to the finish, Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife paced me. Oh, With wow. our newborn, she strapped him on her chest. Holy and cow! She climbed. There's a good three thousand foot climb, and holy cow! Yeah, she she went with me to the end on that one, which was pretty amazing. Um, and then yeah, finished it. Feeling pretty grateful, but pretty miserable too. <laughs> well, I didn't want to interrupt you, but real quick, if there's people out there that don't know, give an example. And I'm when you said scraping, my foot. I, you probably know I started flexing because I had some done on my Achilles before. For like, uh, yeah, for oh. some, yeah, that was from my toes to my knee, basically. What's scraping? So scraping is, from what I remember, it looks like a knife. Yep. Um, it's metal. Yep. And wherever it hurts, <laughs> <laughs> the the massage therapist, so Brittany Light at this moment, she would just take that metal-looking knife and just scrape, roll you. <laughs> Not really, but like what you think would be rolling, but with something metal and yep. just feels like she's scraping chunks of bone off of your body. So when I did it, it's like they have the metal ones, they have plastic ones, and they have different shaped ones. Like when I did it, they pulled out like this torture kit and rolled it, <laughs> rolled it out on the table, right? And first thing I did is clinch my fist. I'm like, you're not going under my fingernails, right? This is bad. Started giving them all my personal PIN numbers, everything, Social Security. But it was one looked like a shoehorn. I remember one looked like the big long knife looking thing uh-huh. and yeah that's what it is they just scrape like it you bruise oh, yeah. after because yeah. yeah someone's beating the crap out of you <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's painful it is absolutely brutal and i yeah so when you said scraping i'm like wow you're during a race i'm like well no thanks yeah. well then, it works because oh I yeah better I, right oh after. so when i hurt my achilles this was gosh, eight years ago plus, everybody, I kept going to doctors and doctors. I said, quit running, quit running. You don't run. It's bad for you because my Achilles had a big knot and it was bad. And finally went to a, a doctor that was a runner and he's like, you need A-STEM. I'm like, oh, cool. A-STEM to me sounds like they hook up <laughs> electronics to you, right? And uh, you just zap you. I go into the place and yeah, it wasn't that. That was when they whipped the tools out. And it's they, the one I did happening? was A-STEM. There's different versions of it. But yeah, so if you haven't had scraping done, um, do that yeah. like a double <laughs> yeah. date weekend yeah, yeah. Brittany some... light is a good <laughs> referral for that <laughs> yeah go get some of that done and then i think one of my favorite things of that whole story though i got goosebumps when you said is when you turned your phone on and you had messages from friends and family i just got goosebumps again saying it but that to me is why i love probably this sport more than any right it's right. just the support you get and people the great thing is you have people that know what you're going through right well during the race, I'm not saying a 200. That's probably a smaller sample size. <laughs> but there's people that have no clue, right, that have done a marathon. They've never done something that far. But they just know, hey, he wants to do something incredible, and they support you. And so you, in your head, you're kind of – it almost sucks, right? Yeah, Because you sit does. there, and you're, you're reading those, <laughs> and you're like – Oh man, I really wanted to stop. Right. <laughs> and then you're reading this. You're the best. You're gonna do it. You're awesome. You're like, gosh, dang it. You know, it's just like, just let me quit. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, who are these enablers? Yeah. Right. But no, I mean, that just is so cool, and that's what I love is you see that from perfect strangers too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. On a race course, you've never seen people, and it's it's right. completely incredible. So, all right. So you finished Tahoe. Did did well. Going into Moab, it was its first year, mm-hmm. right? That you that you did. It was its first year of Moab. You've done two 200s. What 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 happened? You, it was 230 at that time as well, right? The first year. 
Was it 240. still 240? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to cheat. That's oh, bad. Okay. <laughs> so 240 miles. You were gung ho for that one, or is that something you just were like, crap? Uh, I signed uh, up for this already. <laughs> I spent the money, right? Right. Right. And people are texting me. Right. <laughs> Change your phone number. How did it? How did you go into that one? Uh, so when I finished Bigfoot, I felt a lot of relief because I was done. At the time, I, I didn't know I was going to do the other two. I finished Tahoe. I didn't feel any kind of relief because I knew another one was <laughs> happening. <laughs> so leading up to Moab, I I wasn't stoked. So I just remembered this too. And also between Tahoe and Moab, without going too much into detail, I had some digestion issues. Oh, no. Yeah. I had a, I'll say I had diarrhea for two straight weeks. Holy cow. Um, <clears throat> and I found out. Just before the race started, what was causing it, but it was still too late um, where it affected me during the race. But um, I've never been a good sleeper, and someone told me about melatonin. Oh, so I was yeah. trying melatonin out and um, read the side effects of that, and oh. some people experienced diarrhea from melatonin. So um, so aside from my misery of getting ready to run another 200 and having that issue, I wasn't stoked at all. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find non-chafing yeah. like depends, right? <laughs> I actually I, I went and bought anti-diarrheal pills that I was popping during the race trying to plug myself up. People take salt tab and you're taking anti-poop pills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I didn't go into it super stoked, but strangely enough, the start of Moab – and for most of the Moab is what I is when I felt best. Um, the felt I felt the best I did between all three. Do you think it's because your body was kind of getting used to that? Yeah, I do. Okay, because I, I, we've had Scott Jaime on the show before. He's a good friend of mine, and he was talking about he did the Colorado Trail FKT, had it for a while, and he said people think, but the further he got in, the more his body felt better. It was almost like his body had accepted adapted. what he was doing and adapted. So do you think that's what happened by yeah. the time you hit Moab? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it too was, um, I'm not good at stretching. I'm not good at recovery. Um, and with my IT band flaring up so much in Tahoe, I spent a lot of time focusing on like rolling out. I went to the pool and did some laps. Um, <clears throat> I went to Ben and Brittany Light's house a couple of times and had her work on me some more. I, I guess I liked it enough during Tahoe to let her work on me some more. They've <laughs> got to have like a padded room in the basement or the neighbors would complain, man. Right. People screaming <laughs> all the time. Right. <laughs> so I think between my body adapting and actually trying to recover between Tahoe and Moab, I think is what helped out for that. And adaptation. that one was 68 hours and it's 40 miles longer. Mm-hmm. So time-wise, again, different course, you know, yep. obviously. A lot less location, vert. A lot of less vert. Um have you gone back and before and thought to yourself 205 hours between three? I mean, th- the time it is, like you said, it's a week. It's astronomical amounts of time, right? Um, quick hit, and this is the only thing I can compare it to. I once stayed up for 75 and a half hours doing a world record soccer game. Wow. Yeah, so we set the world record. I was 17, so I was a young dude, right? But uh, that was forever, 75 hours, I remember, being no on sleep. my feet. Yeah, we had five minutes of sleep every half hour. So one time we played wow. straight for like, I don't know, six hours, so we could get a half hour's rest. That's incredible. Yeah, but, well, then I look at 205 <laughs> hours, and I'm like, holy crap. I mean, that's, I mean, it wasn't consecutive, but just that block of time, right. your life, that doesn't count travel time, you know, mm. doesn't count training or recovery. I mean, what... When you go back and think about 2017 and all that, what I mean, what what do you draw from that? Um, a lot of gratitude. 
yeah. especially for my wife and helping out with that because um, I, I tried to convince her not to come pace me because we had a newborn baby and I was worried that mentally it would fatigue me. That I'd be between aid stations worrying about them because um, he was he was five months old when the first one started, um, and I was worried that like she was in a little Toyota Camry and Holy specifically cow. at Bigfoot. Th- those are some pretty rugged dirt. Like Ben Light, he had for those of you that know him, he has this huge yeah. yellow Jeep. Jeep. Yeah, my wife's in a little Camry, <laughs> <laughs> so I was worried I would show up to an aid station and. Um, she wouldn't be there, so I'd panic, and so I tried to convince her not to go, but she talked me into it, and I can honestly say at Bigfoot, I, I would have dropped when I, my stomach was hurting so much if she wasn't there. She she helped out a ton, so a ton of gratitude that she would spend the same amount of time that I was out running by myself with a new, like, she's been she, same. Is she a runner at all? Yeah, she she does sprints, 5Ks, 10Ks, half okay. marathon. She wants to get into ultras. Okay. But, you know, the, the 205 hours while I was running, she was Driving, dealing with the baby in the baby. car. So wow. so a lot of gratitude that she would actually support that and come along and fully support that. Um, and then just I'm, I'm pretty amazed that it actually happened that between all the pain and the struggles and all the issues that came up, that it actually was all three a finish instead of bigfoot and being done yeah <laughs> yeah that's incredible like it's cause, i mean i don't know and for, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong 2017 when you did triple crown that's to me when 200 started to gain some momentum like i know before Probably 2017 Courtney. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. but i know before 2017 you know it's not like they weren't there right but but 2017 is when it gained momentum right mm-hmm. far as like the public started seeing more there was more people at the race entries um so you kind of hit it right when it was going. So the first I heard your name was through these, and I thought, man, this dude's like a 200-mile beast, right? <laughs> like this is this guy's wheelhouse. Like some guys have certain wheelhouses. Right. Like mine is like I can tell you how many steps it takes me from my recliner to my fridge. That's my <laughs> wheelhouse. And you're, you're like the 200-mile guy. I was like, this is incredible. And Ben was obviously with you, um, kind of doing the same stuff. Did He, he did all three that year too, yep. right? Yep, okay. Did. Um, yeah, it's incredible. And so – 2017's over. Um, I'm going to ask you. I think we have some questions later. But between those three races, where it's your first time doing 200s, how did you? Because they were mo- basically they're a month apart. Mm-hmm. How did you rec- like what took place after Bigfoot between Bigfoot and Tahoe, Tahoe to Moab? Um, Bigfoot and Tahoe, I didn't run at all. Um, I did a lot of stationary bat, stationary biking, and um, that's about it. And like I said, I didn't do foam rolling or anything. I just did some bikes. And so I, if there's one thing that I would say I still need to learn how to figure out, it's recovery. Um, I, I just signed on to have Jeff Browning coach me this year. Oh, nice. That, yeah, that just started probably four weeks ago. Okay. And that's probably the first thing that I've seen from him is he really understands recovery because, nice. you know, anybody that knows him, he does back-to-back races so much and he's a he's an anomaly in the sport yeah. i think <laughs> he's getting better with age right oh, yeah and that's not how it should work right, <laughs> right. Know, so. so yeah i you know i i didn't understand i still don't understand it too well right now i i feel like i'm learning quite a bit but at that time i didn't know much at all about recovery so just tried a stationary bike when i felt like it and um between tahoe and moab though i did do a lot of swimming 
Um, and that was mainly because I didn't know if an IT band issue would flare up more on a bike. Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything, so I just did a lot of swimming between Tahoe and Moab. But I did no running. I know that Ben Light did some running, and I know that a lot of the other people that did the triple ran. But um, to, to me, recovery was just not running. <laughs> That's not running to me either. <laughs> um, okay, so fast forward. We're in 2019. Um, I just mentioned you came off uh, the Antelope Island 100. You won that race. So you drop down to the 100-mile race, <laughs> yeah. um, which means all, all that means, though, is you have to go faster, though, right? Yeah. 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 So that's the thing. I think some people, like I've talked to different people, like, man, I'm built for 200 because I'm just slow and steady. <laughs> when I get into like a 50, I'm too slow, right? Um, so this year, you've done that. <clears throat> you are in um, a race some people may have heard of, Western <laughs> States, 100. That happens in June. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's getting bigger, more popular. Um, and then right now, and we'll get into it, the plan is um, the Triple Crown again. Yeah. That's the plan right now. Yeah. So we'll just focus on the first one. This is your first go at Western States. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. What's that like? Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was focusing a lot on Antelope Island. Um, but I'm, I've thought about it a lot since Antelope Island, and I'm pretty stoked. Um I, a big reason I signed up to have Jeff Browning coach me um, is I feel if the stars align and if I have a perfect day, I feel that top 10 is not out of the question. Nice. Um, obviously, everything would have to go perfect, and um, I feel like Jeff Browning has a lot to offer and something like that. So, you know, that's the goal. Um, obviously, there's a factor in that race that hurts a lot of people, and I'm afraid that I'm going to be one of those is the heat. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible in the heat. So um, I know I'm going to do a lot of heat training for it. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I'm hoping Jeff has some good pointers on how to heat train for it. Well, I mean, we've, we talk about it on the show a lot because there's a lot of coaches out there. <clears throat> but I think when you have a coach like Jeff who's done that race and had success, it just is a huge benefit, right? Because yeah. he knows the sections. He knows the aid stations. He knows the heat. He knows the twists and turns. So that definitely is going to help, especially since you've never ran the race. Right. Um, and I love your attitude. Like you think, you know, top ten's not out of the question because that field's stacked, right? Mm-hmm. Both men's and women's side. And I keep saying on the podcast, it's not going to, you know, women are going to start cracking that top ten and higher, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's going to happen. Um, but I like the attitude and the mindset. Just simply, man, for me, it goes back to breaking your back. I mean, that's that sets people back sometimes forever, right? Mm-hmm. Not not just the injury itself, but the mental side of it. And you know, I don't say pity, you know, but I know people and myself include been hurt and you feel bad and you just don't get back into it. But you were the opposite, so you've got that ultra mindset. So heading into Western, um, man, it's got to be cool though. I mean, that's history. It's hard to get into, um, and you, that's your next next uh, thing, right? I mean, you don't have anything before that probably, right? Nope. Okay, nope. so it's just training it's straight through. for that, yeah. Okay. Um, and then after that, we talked about it. You're registered, right, mm-hmm. for the Triple Crown. Yes. But you're busy. Yes. Right. So there's this thing that some of us talk about sometimes in ultra running. It's just it's called life. <laughs> right. Yeah. It sometimes gets in the way of running. So you're tentative now for the for the uh, triple crown because yeah. you're what'd you say you're you're going to be well Western states yeah. and you want to focus on that right yeah because you you know that's a big deal after Western states then what's going on so um, ultra sponsors 
Western States, Mount Marathon in Alaska, and Hard Rock. And those are all within a month of each other. And they're, you know, some of our biggest events. So with those being bigger events and my role with the company, I, I travel to those events to work. So <clears throat> you know, I have Western States, and literally the day after I would finish Western States, I'd hop on a plane to go to Alaska for Mount Marathon. Wow. Then we'd get back from that, and just over a week, week and a half after that, I'd drive out to Silverton to for, for Hard Rock. Um, and then... A day or two after I would get back from Hard Rock is when my wife and I will, my wife and son and I will be going to Denver, um, moving for the company. So this was actually a discussion we had just yesterday. I, I was for sure doing the triple until yesterday. Now I'm unsure what I want to do, yeah. <laughs> but it just, it doesn't seem nice. And I, I mean, that's probably a poor term to use because. There's a lot of things in ultra running that aren't nice. Yeah. That there's inconveniences to the sport sometimes, but it just it seems a little more difficult than what we'd like to be able to, you know, do all that travel, move to Denver, get there, unpack, barely get settled in if we get settled in, and then hop in a car and drive to Washington to begin the Triple Crown. It just it doesn't seem like with the move and everything that it might not be the best time to, to go for it again. Would you consider doing any of them? Or if you don't do the first, yeah. you won't do any of them? So if I don't do the triple, my plan is to do Run Rabbit Run okay. in September. Okay. And then I would do Molab 240 okay. in October. So there's a plan B to where yeah. you're still going to be getting out yeah. there. Um, and if you don't do the triple this year, was that something you'd want to do next year? Next year, yeah, for yeah. sure. You like it that much? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> well, just sure. the other thing with that, too, is I feel that, you know, those times look consistent. And um, I feel that with everything that went wrong, that, you know, I've I've had if – I, if I do it this year, I'll have two years of um, strength and, so, like, you know, two years that I've worked on everything with running and – I feel that I could go into that and really improve on my time. So I'm I'm just kind of similar to what I did Tahoe and Moab, you know, f- curious to know what I could do if I dialed my nutrition and I'm curious to know what I could do in all three if I have a little bit more experience under my belt. And isn't that the nasty part of ultra yeah. running, <laughs> right? It really yeah. is. It's, it's like not you, one and done. <laughs> you do something, you're like, you know, if I wouldn't have stopped to tie my shoe, I could have went faster. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all that you think. You start yeah. thinking. It's like you... You finish, you're you're happy that you finished, but then you're like, oh, you know, it wasn't as good as I thought. You're sore, and then your mind starts wandering, right? It's yep. like if I I stayed too long at that aid station. What if I wouldn't have done this? What? And so that's the the nasty part to me of of trail running and ultra running because there's so many races out there. There's so many I still want to do, but then in my back of my mind, it's like, I know I can do better at Vaquero. I know I can do better at that race, right? And <laughs> yeah. you're, and you're challenging instead of going. All right, I'm going to give that one a rest. I'm going to go over here and do something I've never done before. Like, right. I, I, nope, I know that day, you know. <laughs> but there are the times, too, though, that, I mean, the Zion 100, I've done that one three times now. And um, I this year I can honestly say that I've, I, like, I, that race was perfect for me. And yeah. Like, I, I can finally move on from Zion. So yeah, there there are opportunities there is. to... But yeah, I totally. I think those that. are fewer and farther between. Is when you like yeah, nail it, and you're like, "That's good." Now right. I'm moving on. Because <laughs> yeah. then you see people like, "Oh, after my tenth Wasatch 100, I'm done with Wasatch." You know, and I get those things. But I think there's so much of that. You know, I mean, I remember one year um, I ran Wasatch. I went home, 
it was probably a week later, but then I tallied all my aid station time together, and I'm like, holy crap, dude. That was like three hours or whatever. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like my time would have looked way better. So I can see you doing well. So is, I don't know the numbers, but is there a lot more people every year signing up for the Triple Crown? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so the year that I did it was its first year being mm-hmm. the Triple Crown, and um, so last year was the second year, and when we did it um, – there was 24 wow. to 30 that signed up for year. it. Yeah. And then this past year, I'm pretty sure it was over 40. How many finished, though, the year you did it? So, if tw- say, 24 registered, how many I'm pretty sure it was 13. It? Really? It was 13 so or 14. Close to half, 50 yeah. percentage or whatever. I don't remember how many. Fin- it was higher this past year, but I'm not sure the exact number for finishers. That's crazy. So, some other stuff here. So, we talk about... You know, you've talked about your wife and all the support she's given you. You, you. you talk about your job, all these races. How do you? What's your? How do you balance all this stuff? Because you are not a sponsored, paid athlete, right? You right. have a job, mm-hmm. right? That you work and you get money back, but <laughs> yeah. you earn it, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you have a family, you have a wife, you have a son, um, and then you have running. How do you? How do you balance all that stuff? You know, with all those combined. Uh, being flexible yeah. for sure. Um, and you know, for me, it's getting up really early, earlier than I would like to, to get my running in done before they wake up. Um, so a typical work day for me is waking up about five o'clock and <clears throat> slogging out of bed, putting my clothes on, getting my dog ready and out the door by five thirty, finishing up by seven, um, get to work by eight and then get home by about five and unless you have a podcast and you gotta, a podcast, then you're later get home by yeah, six. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, so get home at five and from five to 10 is my wife and son time. That's good. And then obviously being super, you know, everybody jokes, like I've seen those articles about don't date a trail runner, yeah. don't marry a trail runner because your vacation becomes a running <laughs> Run vacation. vacation. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, obviously I'm sure all of us do that. I do that, but also recognizing and being sensitive that this is, this is a family vacation and yeah, you can still go for your run before everybody wakes up, but you're not going to plan a race around it. And, you know, if you have a family like this past weekend, my not this past weekend, but a few weekends ago, we had a plan to do something with my wife's family. So I used some PTO and did my long run on Friday and then woke up early and did a normal run on Saturday. And then we had all day on Saturday to spend time together. So just being sensitive to your family's needs. And if you're sensitive to their needs, they'll be sensitive to your needs. And they're typically more sensitive to your needs because (laughs) They're flexible and does it does it help on your end or is it harder where you travel for your job to a race right so say you're going to a hard rock i know you're not running that race but you can maybe get some training in mm-hmm. but can you do you schedule hey i gotta go to this race i might as well run it while i'm there or is it so work focused you don't have time for it you know what i mean or is it yeah, both combination it's both, yeah. it's both. um <clears throat> Uh, like the road races, it's a little harder to get training in just cause I hate the road. I hate flat. Like every year I go to the New York city marathon and I try to get an hour and a half, 10 miles a day or so when I'm here in Utah. But like when I go to somewhere like that, it's, you know, if I can get five or six miles in, I'll be happy. But, but yeah, like a lot of the races we sponsor, I'll usually end up doing a couple of those each year. Um, 
just because, I'll, uh, like you said, I'm already going to be there and yeah. it just works. And uh, But I try to do a little a mix of all of it. Gotcha. So what about your back now that you're running? Do you notice it's got stuff in there now, like you said before? Does it give you any type of problems, like when you first get up after a race? Or is it for you, it's just, this is what I got? Um, so... This will be a little plug that I have for Ultra. Okay. <laughs> um, if I'm allowed to do no, that. No, go for it. We're a nonpartisan by podcast. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started doing my Ultras, I was an ambassador for another brand. Okay. Um, and during all the Ultras that I did, I would always have to stop and stretch my back every couple hours. My back would hurt so much, so I would find a part on the trail and kind of go off the trail and lay down in the weeds and... I do that stretch where you like pull your knee to your chest, oh, yeah. so stretch my back out. And um, later on in the race, if it's a longer race, I'd have to do that more often. But I'd have to stop and stretch my back quite a bit. And then ever since I started running in ultras, I, ha- I haven't had to do that once, even during any of the 200s. Nice. So during the race, I don't really feel it. Um, <clears throat> after the race, the next morning, I can, depending on how long it is, I can feel it. I can really feel it. Um, but like in my day to day, like a normal hour and a half, two hour run, I don't feel it. Um, and ironically, maybe not ironically, but I, I tend to feel it more when I skip a day over when I do a day. That makes sense. I hear a lot of people talk about like with knees, everything else. It's like, if I stop running, my knees hurt. Yeah. When I run, they're fine. Um, what about weather? Is it, does it weather affect it? Like when it gets really cold? I, I know some so. people say like my mom, she broke her arm really bad once and and when it got cold her arm would ache you know um does that happen with your back i think so i'm gonna have to pay attention to it more but the antelope island hundred um a week ago like it was it was pretty bad weather it was rainy and stuff and i noticed that my back was hurting more during that i don't know if it was because of the mud the slipping and sliding from the mud or if it was the cold weather but it's it's something that i took note to pay attention to more Hmm. but it must not be too significant if I've never, never really felt like it. Like I feel fine no. in the winter. Like so. you can't predict storms? Right. No, Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that would be super cool. <laughs> right. If you could, then you wouldn't need a barometer on your watch. You're like, here comes a cold front. Right. <laughs> this is going to bring four to six inches. Right? <laughs> um, so I've got a few questions for you. Um, we have some Patreon users um, that, su- that help support the podcast, and uh, I let them ask I let them know who's coming on beforehand, and they ask questions. So I got a few questions for you. Okay. These are not from me. These are from our very educated Patreon followers. First one says, Michael is doing at least 800 miles in races this year. So that's when you did Antelope. Um, we had Antelope planned. You had um, Western Western State. I forget that one. It's so small. Uh, Western and then the Triple Crown. And Desert uh, Solstice. And Desert Solstice. So you have all that planned. What What do you do between races when you're not running? So this is what Jeff's helping me out with right now. Okay. So um, typically the week – so after Antelope Island, I didn't run at all Okay. Um, for a week. Okay. Um, and Jeff, he – and this is something similar to what I used to do, um, but now it's a lot more structured. But um, took the day off after the race and then come Monday started doing some biking, some elliptical work, um, slow hikes with the family – some strength training periodically throughout the week and a week later just a light slower run and you know it's it's been over a week now and this week it's full on running every day again but um you know he has me doing like half the mileage that I would do 
So still a recovery week, um, and I'm pretty sure it says that on the plan that he has for me. It's still a recovery week, um, but it's just running every day now, just half the distance. So still like an active recovery. Yeah, active though. recovery. So not like, what about, and I think the next question, what do you do for recovery? Like, do you do you stretch more now? Do you? That's another mm-hmm. question we have. Do you have active type recovery, swimming, bike? I mean, you talk about biking, but is there anything else you do for recovery? Do you take anything, like yeah. supple, supplement-wise? Yeah, so... Um, so I do stretch now. Um, okay. That's part of the plan Jeff has for me. So every night before bed, foam roll, stretch. Um, I take gnarly BCAAs almost every day um, okay. to help with that recovery. And then every morning, and this goes back to the people doing the low-carb, high-fat, losing more salt. Um, I take <coughs> salt water in the morning. Yeah. You drink salt water? I drink salt water. Good. Jeff's yeah. recommendation. Come on. <laughs> But I also mix that with a, it's called Natural Calm, and it's a magnesium supplement. So BCAAs, protein, um, and mag- magnesium to help with recovery. Okay. Now, magnesium can also aid in uh, using the bathroom a lot too, right? Does yeah. It, do you have that effect on you, or do you have, like, the amount of dose you take to where you're okay? Yeah, I take the amount. That it, you're okay. It, on this supplement, it, like... Tells you to start out at a certain one okay. and just work up and then back up if you need to. So okay, because your story, I ran Wasatch and that, this was funny because it was my best year. I went under 30 hours, <laughs> but I was running a race and I was taking a uh, supplement from a uh, a nutrition company. I'm not going to say what it, well I can say what it was. It was from Hammer and it, I can't remember what it was called though, but it was like something that you take to keep your legs going there's a name for it i just don't want to remember it (laughs) anyway i thought i had the golden ticket with these things right i'm like this is like cheating and so it said to take some and i took the dosage but i was running 100 like man if i keep taking these during the race my legs aren't going to get tired Uh about mile 30 my legs still weren't tired but i was in the bushes i think (laughs) i counted 13 times from mile 40 to the finish Oh my goodness. Yeah, and <laughs> I was fortunate enough that my pacers one was uh, have some medical background, and man, I I was I had female pacers, and I'm just like, hold on, and I'd be in the bushes for a minute, right, and then I'd jump right back out, right, and it was kind of making me upset, and I'm like, this, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, what are you taking? I'm like, da da da, and I'm taking these, and she goes, Eric, I'm like, what? And she goes, that's a, that's that makes you poop. You shouldn't take those, but I'd already had probably 10 to 12 pills so you were done yeah i mean it was like there was no stopping and i'm okay right this was like gonna be two more days right and i was like so uh, mad i never took i threw the bottle away when i got home but when, every time you're in magnesium i get nervous that's what you think of. yeah i'm like oh no yeah that, that brings it back so that's cool that you have these that you've got it dialed in though um, with the gnarly and the salt water so it's working out pretty well for you do you feel like though yeah and then something Jeff has helped me out with too is <clears throat> I kind of took the low carb high fat thing to the extreme, where I took in too little carbs. Okay. And so something Jeff's been helping me with is taking more carbs based off of when I run and stuff. And so this past week, <clears throat> even though I wasn't running, I upped my carbs carbs a little bit. And you know today I went for a run and I I, I feel like it, I, it's the best I've ever felt wow. this close after a hundred mile race. So. Does that, does that excite you? Yeah. I mean, knowing what you've done in the past, um, knowing what you want to do, but also starting to dial it in and have someone like Jeff in your corner with what, I mean, did you get, are you getting more excited to go run? Are you excited to see like what you were going to do at Antelope? I mean, does that get, yeah. get it going? Motivation too, yeah. in a way. Yeah. I, you know, <clears throat> just like 
when I was sending you some stuff last night, just seeing all that and realizing how things have really seemed to be working out ever since I've started doing the low carb, high fat thing. And, and now that I have Jeff like fully coaching me, like I feel like it can just keep going up and it, it does excite me. That's awesome. All right. Next question from one of our Patreon users uh, or helpers. Favorite triple crown race and why? And then they want you to rank them in order that you like them. Ooh. Was that taking the pain factor out? Because <laughs> if we're gonna go on the pain factor, then <laughs> what's your out of the three courses? What one is your favorite course? Tahoe. Tahoe is. Yeah. Why? Um, I love that the majority of that race you can see the lake. Okay. Um, and it it can get like depending on where your headspace is, it can get a little demoralizing to be able to see where you're at and see where you still need to go yeah because it's a big lake and like it's a you you can see that you have a long ways to go but at the same time it's cool to like be the second day in and look back and be like okay that's that's where i was a day and a half ago and i'm already here like there's (laughs) (laughs) i'm still trying to process this that's where it was a day and a half ago i'm still on foot well unless you're courtney it's you know you can't keep up with her speed and kyle curtain (laughs) but so yeah tahoe i loved being able to see the lake um, for the majority of it and, um, having, and then just for a crew too, it's probably the easiest crewable crew. race. Um, and what's the elevation in that one? Is it more or less than Bigfoot? It's less, but okay. it's only like 2000 less. Okay. So not much when you're talking that distance. Yeah. What's number two? Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm guessing three is Moab. Yes. <laughs> if I had to rank them just in what I like, I would rank Bigfoot one. Tahoe 2, and Moab 5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a sand or desert not guy. Sand, man. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's like, I mean, first of all, I've never done one, and it's not really on the list. Um, well, I do have an announcement to make. But anyway, um, <laughs> really? that's interesting. So that would be your choice. All right. Do you cross-train during your training, and do you cross-train for recovery? This is another question from another user. So do you cross-train um, in your training skill? Just have you, does Jeff have you doing other stuff besides running? Um, by cross-train? Like bike, swim, yeah. weights, so, yoga? Um, I bike to work on occasion. Okay. So I would say the, the things that I noticed – so when I first started doing ultras um, – I had stomach issues. Um, I bonked. I like. I I just felt like I always had an issue during a race. And when all that turned around, is I know it was for two things: is because I started doing the low carb, high fat thing, and then I started to tr- strength train. Um, and so Jeff does have me strength training. It's a little bit different than how I've been doing it over the past couple of years, where I would just do more of like the typical three sets of ten curls dips, pull-ups, whatever, and Jeff's, his strength training is more focused on, like, full body, um, get your heart rate going workouts, so, like, forward lunge, tricep press for a certain amount of time, burpees, um, air squats, air jumps, so Jeff has me doing a lot more stuff like that, and, um, I can tell that that's helping, um, so I do that three times a week, I strength train, strength train three times a week, and then now that the weather's getting better, I'll bike to work the two days that I don't straight train. Okay. Um, and that's not, I don't consider that a workout. I just go at a comfortable pace and just get my legs going. Nice. Um, 
but no, I, I don't swim. I don't like do a bike workout. Um, it's main, it's just running and strength training. And I do that during training, um, while I'm doing high volume running. And then during recovery, I still do the strength training. Um, I do a little bit more of the biking and elliptical and all that. And then just the strength training that I do do during recovery is like 70% effort, a little lighter weight, but still something that's getting the legs moving and okay. um, the muscles that's good. growing. Yeah, no, That's really good. I mean, it's like you say, you're dialing it in, you're tweaking it a little bit, yeah. right? Like he's got you doing a little bit different, and that's where you're seeing some benefits. So I think that's important when you want to sometimes take it to that next level is maybe find a coach, right? Yeah, is and I always kind of mocked that. Well, I didn't mock it. <laughs> But, like, whenever I'd hear people that have coaches, I'd just be like, just go out and run. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why you get a coach, but, but now I can totally understand. And the people I've talked to that have had coaches um, loved it. Yeah. You know, for lots of reasons. One, it's like, okay, now there's a structured workout. Now I don't have to think, and now I know yeah. it's going to help, and they see improvements. But it's also accountability for some, right? Definitely. And so it's like, well... I didn't feel like running, but, you know, so-and-so had me <laughs> running and I had to do this. So it kind of holds them more accountable. Um, and, we, you know, like you've talked about even on this podcast, kind of seeing what you're capable of, right, and mm-hmm. seeing what you can do. So when you take it to that next level, if you have the time, the money, the, you know, the want to, right, I mean, it's just a good option just to kind of see what you, you can do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good coaches out there, too, and I think that helps, um, especially, like you said, I think one thing I like about Jeff is where you can dial in, if you want to, that nutrition side with him yeah. as well, you know, where he's, again, I mean, you can't, you don't have to believe in keto or what he does, but the proof's kind of in the pudding with him, oh, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's hard to question it, right? Now, it's not for everybody, right? It's, it's fine, but you, when you're looking at it, you're like, well, it seems to be working, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's something going on there. Um, well, cool. This has been awesome. Um, it's super fun to have you finally on the show. I know we've tried to get you on before, um, but I'm really glad that we got you before you headed out of town. Um, yeah. so we could do it in person. Um, uh, my announcement was I'm going to run uh, Bigfoot 200 this year. Yes. I'm just kidding. It's April fools. Oh See, right. I've never done, I haven't done wow. an April fools joke all day. You totally got me. It is. So it is <laughs> April 1st. That's why I announced it. I keep telling my listeners, yeah, I don't get the 200. I'm interested just on how the, the whole facet of them. But when I watch it on Twitter, I'm like, ah, I'm tired. So like, right? well, you and I were just talking about it at Antelope <laughs> Island. I was like, yes, he's doing it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, but no, I'm super glad you came on the show. I loved your story. Um, just I think there's a lot of good stuff that everybody can take from it. I mean, from the balance to jumping out of a comfort zone to testing yourself. And I still think, you know, stories like that where you did, you know, a broken back, right? I mean, that's the back is the pinnacle of your body. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so when that's out of alignment in any way or, or injured, I mean, that's it's super cool to see what you're doing. You know, so I know people yeah. injury based anything in life. Sometimes people use as an excuse or a crutch. Um, and uh, it's super awesome to see what you have, you know, breaking back. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like is what it is. And you just kind of just crush through it and doing some super cool things, man. It's awesome. And your mindset, you. your mindset going as well is super um encouraging for people as well so thanks again for being on the podcast thank you good luck at western (laughs) that's super i'm excited for that and then just good luck with your move i mean the life stuff right because races will be there in 2020 Mm -hmm. right but you got to get your family settled and and moved into denver but i know utah's gonna miss you and hope to see you around um the race scene a little bit um between now and then but uh yeah thanks again
Bigfoot, yeah, I will not be there. See you there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't even like. I, I don't even like to go watch one, man. Uh, yeah. me, I'd like that to volunteer at an aid station, though. I really would, even though you have some downtime. But the aid station stuff is blows me away there, and to see how they're organized in person, because yeah. I know it's just a production in itself. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, we'll definitely catch up to you later um, after everything's settled down, just to see where you're at and what you're doing. But uh, good luck the rest of the year, and uh, good luck with your move. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. I'd like to thank Mike McKnight for taking the time to join us today and wish him luck through his Western States 100 training, the Western States 100, and his relocation to beautiful Colorado. I also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. There, there's a few items left in the store page, or you can hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Again, we'd love your support via Patreon at patreon.com backslash trailmanners. Until next time, this is Eric Manning reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.